Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our channel today. We wanna to encourage you to subscribe and like today's video. Also, today's word is brought to you by our Truth Partners. These are people who want to financially invest to help us get this message of truth to around the nation and around the world. You can become a Truth Partner today by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give. Again, thank you for partnering with us on this message of truth, and thank you for liking and subscribing to today's video. God bless you. I pray this sermon blesses your life. Let, let, let me ask you to remain standing just for a few more seconds, a few more seconds. It, it, it's always appropriate, always appropriate that we, we celebrate in, in this moment. I mean, it's not like it isn't easy to celebrate. It's easy to celebrate here. I mean, all the lives that just got baptized just in this service alone, that's 40 people that just got baptized at this campus. They were talking about the numbers backstage, something like over 80, 80 something just throughout the day. That's amazing. That, that's amazing. That, that's larger than, than some churches, by the way. The average church in America is 20. <laughs> so that, that's how many people got baptized today, over 80 something. It's just amazing what God is doing. And even though we're meeting each other for the first time, I always like to take this moment to set us up for everything it is that God has for us. This is actually a really important moment, this, this honor moment. In fact, if you've ever been to a service where there's a guest speaker, you could almost predict, all right, here we go. The guest speaker is going to get up there and he's going to honor and it's going to be the whole honor swap thing. And somebody, because there's always somebody, you know, that just thinks, ah, but it's not really about man. We shouldn't be celebrating people. It's only about Jesus. The truth is you're right, but you're wrong. Because this is actually a pretty big moment. And this moment actually has nothing to do with me and nothing to do with your pastors. In fact, it has everything to do with God and you. See, theology teaches us that when I make much of a man or a woman of God, what I'm saying is, God, I agree with your choice. So when I celebrate the choices of God, he extracts his glory from that. So this is where I would encourage you to stand and I would encourage you to applaud your pastors because when I think of this church and I think of this community and everything that God has done and everything that God is doing, I cannot think of a better choice than the one that God made in giving you all, Pastor, Pastor Jonathan and Joanne. Can we thank God for him right now? Come on, I'm, they, they might be watching right now. Let them just hear all the love right now. Just the week in, week out sacrifice that they give to this church. It's something easy to celebrate. Here's why this moment is important for you. I'm going to belabor the point a little bit just, just to help you. Because I, my hope and my prayer is that each of you leave with everything that you need. The Bible lets us know that when Jesus was in his own hometown, he couldn't perform any miracles because of the lack of faith and the lack of honor. That means somebody showed up to the house where Jesus was and did not get what they needed because of pride? I don't know about you, but I do not have the luxury of staying the same. I do not have the luxury of flying back to New York later today the same way that I came. If Jesus is in the house, I want everything it is that he has for me, right? If there's a blessing, I want it. If there's healing, I want it. If there's miracles, I want it. And the truth is, if all I got to do is honor my Jesus after everything he's done for me, man, that's easy. If there's anybody in the room that does not mind praising Jesus, take about 20 seconds real quick and give him a shout of praise. Let's honor the name of Jesus.
the best thing, the best thing we could ever do is honor Jesus. The, the thing that we need to teach our children is how to honor Jesus. What we need to teach the next generation is how to honor Jesus. And I'm, I'm telling you, you'll be better because of it. Go on ahead, grab your seat, grab your seat. My name is Chris. Your pastor already said so many kind words about me. I'm born and raised in Queens, New York. I actually still live in New York with my wife and children. And just a little bit about me. I've actually been in ministry all of my adult life. I'm a PK. I grew, grew up in church. I used to serve as a youth pastor and young adult pastor to a ministry called Misfit NYC, where I basically was the youth pastor there for over 10 years, served in youth ministry for almost two decades. Then after that, served as an executive pastor and then even as a lead pastor. But in this season of my life, I get to operate in the office of teacher and evangelist. And I serve as a teaching pastor to five different churches around the country. So this is what I do full time. Every weekend I'm at a different church. And can I tell you what a joy, what a privilege, and what an honor it is for me to be able to travel around the world, uh, just seeing the body and encouraging the body of Christ at large. And I know we just met, but can I ask you for a favor? That, that's how New Yorkers are. We just get straight to it right away. We don't, we don't waste any time. I, I want to show you a picture real quick. Look at this picture. It's my family. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for them. Yeah, thank you. That's how I know God loves me, by the way, because I just, I love him so much. That young lady on my lap, her name is Chloe, and she just turned 13 years old. 13 years old. I'm so frustrated about it. I hate it, man, because now she wants to shop at places like Sephora, you know, and Lululemon. <laughs> but she don't have Sephora Lululemon money, by the way. Um, I'm like, can I shrink her back and bring her back to the children's place? You know what I mean? I want her to be my baby. Uh, but she's 13 years old. And then uh, my son, Dylan, he's 16. He's, a, he's an athlete, loves basketball, pretty good at it. And both my children love Jesus. And, and, you know, my prayer, our prayer was, God, we did youth ministry for so long. Would you take care of my teenagers? That they wouldn't go wayward, but that they would follow you. And it's amazing to see how it's happened because they love Jesus. And they've just continued to chase after Jesus. That beautiful woman behind me, her name is Jairus. Everybody say Jairus. I'm, I'm trying to teach you how to say it because maybe one day you'll meet her and I would hate for you to mess it up because everybody messes it up. I mean, every time we go to Starbucks, she just lies at this point. She says Lisa uh, because she's tried telling the truth, but they always mess up her name and they call her every other name. They, they give her the names of Jesus. They're like, uh, Jeh you know, Jehovah, Jaira. Like, nope, Jairus. Those are different people. Um, but... But my wife, who's German and Colombian, will actually be celebrating 18 years of marriage this November. 18 years of marriage. In fact, before that, we dated for five years. So at this point of our lives, we've actually been together longer than we've been without one another. And what an incredible blessing that is. I only show you a picture of my family and ask this favor. If you ever remember us beyond this moment, would you pray? That's my prayer, just a quick prayer of blessing. I, you know, in this season of our life, as, we, as I'm traveling as much as I am, I'm like, I, I invite all the prayer as much as possible. Just cover me in my household. And here's my promise to you. Every time I remember Creative Church, I'll pray for you. I pray God's favor over you, God's blessing over you. Is that a good deal? You don't seem too excited about it. Okay, we'll figure it out. I'll keep my prayers. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. But listen, as we continue on with this series of first, 
I want to walk us through this text of how I believe God has called us to, to put him first. And as we do, we'll be blessed because of it. Hey, I just want to take a moment and let you know that today's sermon is brought to you by our truth partners. If you're interested in being a truth partner, simply go to creativechurch.com slash give and select truth partners today. Again, please subscribe and like today's video. It's blessing you. It's blessing your family. And hey, let's get back to the word. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up with me to the, New, to the Old Testament. 2 Kings chapter 2. I want to read a pretty famous portion of scripture, verses 1 through 10. This is what the Bible says. It says, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Yes, you read that right, by the way. You know, sometimes you read things in your Bible like, take them up in a whirlwind. <laughs> we're not going to just skip over that. Like, no, that's exactly what it says, and that's exactly what happened. Anyone ever hear about Elijah and Elisha before? Anybody? Anyone ever confuse them like which one is which? Come on, let's be honest. Yep. So, so here's what I do as a little trick. When I'm reading uh, to know the difference between Elijah with a J and Elisha with an S, I just remember that the S in Elisha stands for second, like number two, because Elijah is the mentor and Elisha is the mentee. And that's important for our text as we, as we walk through this thing. It says, it says in verse 2, Elijah says to Elisha, stay here. Just, just stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And here it is. So they went down to Bethel. Man. So they went down to Bethel. That, that's the part that got me. I, I'll expound as, after I'm done reading. It says, the company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? He says, yes, I know, Elisha replied, but don't speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Then here it is. So they went to Jericho. Anyone noticing a pattern here? He goes on to say, the company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elisha said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. It says 50 men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah takes his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them cross over on dry ground. When they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me. What can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. Man, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. And then it goes on to say, you have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, which really got me, by the way. Because this man is about to go to heaven in a whirlwind. He knows that's about to happen. He just split the Jordan 
by two with his cloak. And yet this request was difficult? Got me. It's like, well, what? that doesn't seem to make sense. You know, like the math ain't math thing. You know what I mean? Why is that difficult? But then he says this. Yet, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, not. Yet, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Letting me know that it's not predicated on Elijah's ability, but on Elisha's ability. Skipping on over to Proverbs chapter 28, verse 20, the Bible says this. A faithful person will be richly blessed. A faithful person will be richly blessed. Who here would say, I want to be blessed? I want my children to be blessed. I want my marriage to be blessed. I want my family to be blessed. I want my finances to be blessed. I want my future to be blessed. I want my business to be blessed. Any of those people in the room, just give them a shout real quick. Like, that's me. That's me. That's me. I want to take the next few moments, and I want to speak to you from this idea. I intend on being blessed. If you're taking, taking notes, go on ahead and write that down. I intend on being blessed. If you're not taking notes, take notes. I intend on being blessed. Let's pray one more time. Holy Spirit, speak in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, sir. Been playing amazing all day, by the way. What's your name? Jonas. Can we just thank God for Jonas? Just amazing. Thanks for serving so well. Spirit asked me this question after reading this text on intentionality. What, what does it mean to live intentionally? What, what does it mean to live intentionally? Not, not according to human standards, but biblical standards. What does it mean to live intentionally? See, living intentionally means to purposely pursue the life God has called you to live. So regardless who you are and what you do as a husband, as a wife, as a business owner, as a son, as a daughter, as a student, living intentionally means to purposely pursue the life God has called you to live regardless of the avenue and regardless of the season. But when talking about intentionality, intentionality requires deliberate action. In other words, it doesn't just happen because you want it to. God is intentional and he has called us to be the same. God didn't create the world by accident or chance. He did not make us at random. Long before we were even a thought in our parents' mind, God 
knew about us. The psalmist writes this in Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them the psalmist is proclaiming and thanking God for his intentionality in creating humanity God took an unformed substance and created something out of it he took nothing and created something he took nothing and created something this is why in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 it says before I formed you in the womb I knew you before I formed you in the womb I knew you and before you were born I consecrated you I appointed you as a prophet to the nations See, while explaining his call as a prophet, God tells Jeremiah that he was appointed long before he was conceived in his mother's womb. In other words, God did not just know who Jeremiah would be, he planned it. He didn't just know who he would be, he planned who Jeremiah would be. In other words, God was intentional, therefore God is intentional. Likewise, the same way God had a plan for Jeremiah, God has a plan for each and every one of us. God does, in fact, have a plan for your life. And there are intricacies about you that are unique to you. They are one of a kind. And this is where I would encourage you to get curious about the intricacies that God has created you with so that you could know who it is that God has destined you to be and created you to be. In other words, he wants you to own the details that he's detailed you with. He wants you to own the details that he's detailed you with. Because if you want to see the completion of the plan that God has for you, it is going to take this one word, intentionality. Because how many know that there's a great difference between intention and completion? There is a great difference between intention and completion. In other words, there's a great difference between where you intend to be and where you currently are. There is a great difference between intention and completion. I got a word picture of, this, of that statement a few weeks ago. I was at the mall. I was standing on a line as long as eternity. This line was a return line. So, of course, it wasn't my items that I was returning. It was my wife's. Where was my wife? She was walking around the store looking to purchase new things that I would most likely be returning in the next two to three weeks. And as I'm standing at the end of this line, I'm the last one, this man comes and he joins the line right behind me. Well, not, not less than two seconds after the, the man joins the line, this woman walks up to him and she says, excuse me, sir, you took my spot. He then looks at her completely confuddled and says, I'm sorry? She says, yeah, you, you took my spot. I was walking over to get online, but I stopped to look at something real quick. <laughs> Here it is. She says, it was my intention to stand where you are, right behind this man. And she pointed at me. I said, do not involve me. I turned around. Minding my own business, you know what I mean? <laughs> there is a great difference between where you currently are and where you intend to be. 
There is a great difference as to where you are currently and where you said you would be this time last year. There is a great difference, and here it is. We will never complete anything if our intention are void of action. We will never complete anything if our intention is void of action. In other words, mean what you say and say what you mean. Mean what you say and say what you mean. Don't tell me what you wanted to do do it. Don't tell me what you wanted to do. Do it. Don't tell me what you wish you would have done. This is the moment where you actually get it done because unless you do it, it will not happen. Unless you do it, it will not happen. If you are still living years and moments after you created the vision board, after you created the 10-year plan, and you have not seen the fruition of any of those plans come into existence, it's not that there's an issue with their plan. There just might be an issue with the action that's supposed to go along with the plan the plan is good but the plan is not enough the plan is good but the plan is not enough and let me say this if you have been a Christian longer than a minute you have to be careful because we as Christians are guilty of praying prayers where we ask God to do what he expected us to complete Pentecostals, non-denominational, charismatics. We are guilty of believing that prayer by itself handles everything it is that God has called us to do. And that is not true. Let me tell you in a very encouraging way, you have an equal responsibility with God when it comes to the fruition of your prayers. You have an equal responsibility with God when it comes to the fruition of your prayers. In other words, he's not going to just give you a good marriage because you asked for a good marriage. He's not going to just give you health because you asked for health. He's not going to just give you finances because you asked for finances. There are steps that each and every one of us have to take in order to see the fulfillment of the marriage to be healthy, the body to be healthy, the family to be healthy, the business to grow. It is not going to just happen because I put some faith on it there has to be some actions that match my faith because if not it's just a dream this has to be the moment that we as believers stand up and do as opposed to just stand up and say your prayers are great as long as you understand that there's a role that you are to play with your prayer There is a role for each and every one of us to pray after we pray a prayer. So you can pray great prayers like, God, take me there. God, build this. God, say this. But you have to understand the responsibility you have when it comes to the fruition of that prayer. Let me break it down this way. If you are praying God to take you somewhere, you better recognize that you have legs so that you could walk. If you are praying for God to build something, you better understand that you have hands so that you could build. If you are praying for God for opportunity, you better recognize that you have a mouth so that you could ask. If you are praying for a shift in your family, if you are praying for a shift in your generation, if you are praying for a shift in the world, you better recognize that you have a tongue so that you could declare. The Bible says that your tongue holds the power of life and death. So you better recognize that if you want to declare something to happen, you need to start speaking 
speaking life over it. You need to speak life over your children. You need to speak life over your marriage. You need to speak life over your spouse. You need to speak life over your mental health. You need to speak life over your finances. You need to speak life over your business. Stop complaining what you should be prophesying over. Stop complaining about what God has given you a responsibility over. Start speaking life over what God has given you. If you are praying for something new, you better recognize that you have a voice so that you can create creative church what we learn in the very beginning before we learn that God is loving before we learn that he is kind the first attribute we learn about God is that he is creative in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth his creativity came as an overflow of his speech you have to recognize that we were created in the image of God and everything that God has given us can become the result of our words. But our words in and of themselves are not enough. I like to suggest to you in the most kind way that the breakthrough that you are longing for is possible if you stop backing down. The breakthrough in your marriage will happen if you stop backing down. The breakthrough in your family will happen if you stop quitting the breakthrough will happen if you stop giving up. The breakthrough will happen in your health if you stop backing down. In other words, let this be the moment that you do. Let this be the moment that your procrastination comes to an end. Let this be the moment that you actually did what you said you would do. My goodness, to quote Jesus, let this be the moment that your yes is yes and your no is no. Let this be the moment that you make a shift, that you make a change and understanding that my yes should be enough, that my no should be enough, that I don't need to overpromise anything because that when I say yes, I'm committed to it. When I say no, I'm committed to it because can I tell you, that every time you say yes and every time you say no you're automatically saying yes to consistency there has to be power there has to be some oomph behind your response there has to be some oomph behind your yes behind your no so let's just break this down practically then what does that mean it plays out like this if you said yes to the diet that means you said no to the donut If you said yes to the diet, you said no to the donut. If you said yes to the savings, you said no to the spending. If you said yes to the savings, you said no to the spending. If you said yes to waking up early, that means no to going to bed late. Can we go deeper? If you said yes to the relationship, you said no to selfishness. If you said yes to the relationship, you said no to selfishness. Remember when you were single and you were praying, God, give me a man, give me a woman. So now that he gave you a man and he gave you a woman, you do not get to continue on like you were when you were single. Now he gave you somebody to care for. And the Bible says that the men of our household, that we are supposed to love our bride the same way that Christ loved the church. In other words, if we are going to be married to someone, we're to be laying down our lives for that person. We're to be sacrificial giving to that person if you said yes to the relationship you said no to selfishness if you said yes to parenting you said no to child childlike behavior men we have to grow up and be men we need our men to be men you are not a man because of your age you are a man because of your behavior your age proves nothing it is the response to life that shows everything you could be old in age but immature in mindset 
When I was a child, I walked like a child. I talked like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. If I said yes to being a parent, I said no to staying up all night playing video games. When I said yes to being a parent, I said no to going out to certain places, hanging out with certain friends. If I said yes to being a parent, I said no to being immature. If I said yes to the job, I said no to laziness. Remember that job you prayed for? The one job that you have that at one point was a miracle, but now every Monday it's your complaint. Your Instagram story talking about, ah, it's Monday, pray for me. Can't believe I got to go back. At one point you were praying for it. It is amazing. The very blessings you have because you become so comfortable with it become your complaint. Talk about God, give me more. Why would he give you more? How would you steward what he's already given you? There has to be a shift in our response. Can we go even deeper? If you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to surrender. If you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to sacrifice. If you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to obedience. If you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to holiness. If you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to pure speech. If you said yes to Jesus, you said no to gossip. If you said yes to Jesus, you said no to slander. If you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to being misunderstood by people. If you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to being hated by the world. If you said yes to Jesus, you said no to culture. If you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to his will and to his way but it gets even better than that because when you say yes to Jesus you say yes to peace when you say yes to Jesus you said yes to prosperity when you said yes to Jesus you said yes to salvation when you said yes to Jesus you said yes to heaven when you said yes to Jesus you said yes to eternity when you said yes to Jesus you said yes to destiny come on take about 30 seconds where are my people of destiny at that's I'm getting everything it is that God has for me. I am making it to the end. I am making it to well done, good and faithful servant. I need all the people of destiny to take about 30 seconds, lift up your hands, open up your mouths, and give him your best shout. Come on, creative church. One, two, three, go. We said yes to completing everything it is that God has for us. We said yes to making it to well done, good and faithful servant. In other words, there's no more games. We said yes to making it. We said yes to completing it. And can I tell you, can I tell you the word that marries, that marries intention with destiny? Integrity. Because intention without integrity is an illusion intention without integrity is an illusion what is it to be an integrous man or woman it means my yes is yes and my no is no when I say yes you could bank on it when I say no you could bank on it I don't have to do anything else extra because my initial response is simply enough let me tell you if you are a person that is hardly believed when you give a commitment do not lie to yourself that you are a person of integrity. If your spouse does not believe you when you give them a word, it's most likely not their fault but yours. Parents, if your children don't believe you, there's a reason why. You said something, but you didn't follow through. 
This is where so many husbands get it wrong. We get it wrong because, well, sometimes we're just dumb. <laughs> Takes one to know one. We make promises and we underdeliver. It's not that your wife doesn't love you. It's that she doesn't believe you. And where you, get it, where you get it twisted and where you get it messed up is you thought your response was enough and you were hoping the fact that she calmed down when you, when you gave her this grandiose speech that she should now be happy with you. So, so, for example, when she gets frustrated with you and she gets a little bit frustrated longer than the last time because you guys are still arguing about the same thing that she told you two months ago, but you never got it. And you thought as a man that there was a shift because you got her to calm down the issue is you never completed the behavior or you never you never corrected the behavior that you promised her for so for example I promise you I'll clean the garage I'm sorry that I allowed it to get away from me she then gets frustrated as two weeks go by and she may not say anything even though she's saying a whole lot in her head looking at you coming in going to meet a friend at the mall playing video games spending time on a phone call doing all the other things other than doing what you promised her you would do and then as a result of it you get offended that she's offended with you and now you start to pull out your resume but I work two jobs and I do x y and z and do you know that everything that's on my back and what happens is what happens is then you after you come down from your pride you're like I gotta make this right let me go buy her flowers let me go to Neiman Marcus let me walk through the door with some bags let me apologize and give her this whole speech but do you know how much money you would save? Do you know how many speeches you would keep if you just did what you said you were going to do the first time? If I'm lying, tell me. But if I'm right, ladies, can you shout amen? Some husband just grabbed your thigh. You better not. No. We are brilliant at making speeches but we are horrible at following through. Is that not the issue of the state of the church today? I am not a fan of church deconstruction, but my goodness, there's a lot of material to work with. We got too many people that have gave too many speeches and did not follow through with what they promised. What gets me about this moment is not Elisha's speech as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. I don't know why I did that voice, but that's how I hear it in my head. <laughs> it's not the speech. It's the sentence that follows after that. So the two of them walked on. Imagine that. Someone doing what they said they would do. Not just the big speech, but of course of action that follows. That's the most mind-blowing part. It's not the speech. We as believers, we are brilliant at making speeches. We have some of the greatest storytellers, communicators, and orators in the body of Christ. The issue is that we don't have enough people to give a good speech. We don't have enough people that are living out the speeches that they're giving. And what we need today more than ever before are people that mean what they say and say what they mean. We don't back down when culture steps up. We don't back down when times get hard. We don't back down when 
when when the going gets tough come hell or high water for me and my household we will serve the lord i'm a man of integrity i'm a woman of integrity i'm leading my marriage this way i'm leading my children this way i'm leading my finances this way and you could say what you want however you want but none of that is going to shift because i'm not accountable to you i'm accountable to god and i fear god more than i fear you so respectfully you could either get out of my way or you could just watch me stay faithful to what it is that he's put in front of me because what i'm not going to allow you to do is allow your words to rob me from god's blessing because it is the faithful that will be richly blessed is there anybody in the room that says i'm getting my blessing i am making it to the end if that's you give him a shout As the story unfolds, what you get is the pathway to blessing. It says, Elisha tells Elisha, stay here. Elisha says, I'm not staying here. I'm going with you. Surely as the Lord lives. And the two of them go together. Where's the first stop? Bethel. You know what Bethel translates to? House of God. How good is that? The first step on this journey is the house of God. Now, practically speaking, all Elijah is doing is going to his three school of prophets. He has three school of prophets, and he's going to say bye to them before he leaves. And on his way to go say bye to them, Elisha, because he's so hungry for mentorship, which is a whole word for somebody that wants mentorship, he says, I will go with you and I will walk with you. I'm not going to wait for it to come with me. I'm going to go with you. And I have no problem walking and doing errands with you before you go because I value the time and I value what you could give me. So if I need to go with you to say bye to some prophets, if I need to go with you to the supermarket, if I need to go with you and stack up some chairs, Whatever we got to do, because I value what you have to say, I'm committed to going with you. And they go to Bethel. I'm telling you, the first step to blessing is the house of God. That's why to every person that just got baptized, we celebrate you and we're so grateful. But please keep coming to the house of God. Come back next week. Don't tell yourself that you could take a month off. Don't tell yourself that, that you could take a few weeks off or you come back next Easter. No, no, no. If you want to be blessed, you keep coming to the house of God. This is why the Bible says do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. You stay in the house of God. The Bible also says, the Bible says, blessed is the man or the woman that does not walk in the ways of the wicked. So blessed is the man or the woman that walks in the ways of the unwicked, of the righteous. That's what church is. So the fact that you're here, you're already on your first step to being blessed. Not because you're around people that are better than you. No one here is better than anyone. Please do not look at a microphone in my hand and somehow think that I am more better or more privileged than you. That's not true. That is not true at all. Everybody is the same height at the foot of the cross. Every believer is the same height at the foot of the cross. The reason why we need each other is because in community, I can encourage you with what I went through, and you can encourage me with what you went through. And as a community, we can keep encouraging each other on. And I can tell you a little bit of what I went through, and you can tell me a little bit about what you went through. Which, by the way, you know that's what disciple means, right? Disciple simply means student teacher. I'm learning and I'm giving out what I learned. I'm learning, and I'm giving out what I learned. I'm learning, and I'm giving out what I learned. So as disciples, we're teaching one another, and we're learning from one another, and we will be blessed because we find ourselves in the company of the righteous, of the 
saved. If you do not stay in the house of God, and if you do not lead your children to the house of God, I promise you, your children will end up somewhere else. Because if you don't have a plan for your children, that doesn't mean that the enemy doesn't have a plan for your child. The enemy has a plan for your child. And he will do things to try to take your child out. The other day I was preaching in Miami. My son was with me. I was preaching in one church in the morning, a different church in the evening. I had three services in the morning and then one service in the evening. I said to my son, Dylan, it's a long day. You could come with me in the morning when I leave or you can come to the later service. Notice I didn't say you could come to church or not come to church. That wasn't an option. I gave him freedom in a framework. You can come to this service or that service, but you're coming to church. Parents, you need to parent your child. You need to lead your child. You are the leader of your home. You are not their peer. You are not their friend. You are a leader. And everyone needs to be led. And the way that God has structured it is so that you could lead your family to the place of blessing. Husbands, you lead your family. You are not leading your family by simply providing finances for your family. You are leading your family by casting vision for your family. This is how we're behaving. This is how we're living. And listen, you're not just good at speeches you're showing them action you're showing them the importance of the tithe you're showing them the importance of purity you're showing them the importance of moderation you're not just you're not just hanging out on the couch all day just slouching around eating whatever this is why your health matters because you're not only showing other humans how to live you are raising up future humans of you this is what community looks like we go to the house of God together and we, we learn together. We get encouraged together. The first step was the house of God. They went to Bethel. The second stop, Jericho. He says, stay here. He goes, I'm going with you to Jericho. Surely as the Lord lives. And the two of them go together. You know what Jericho stands for? The aroma of God. So not only are you to go to the house of God, but when you leave the house of God, you're supposed to have the aroma of God. Look at this verse. Let me, let me read this to you. It's such a, such a powerful verse. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. When you, when you have a hunger for righteousness, that is going to come out of you and it's going to bless others that are around you. Those are the words of Jesus. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. So in other words, people should be able to smell you and know that you're a believer. What we're talking about is holiness. The issue is if you look at the definition of holiness, it says to be set apart. And the church for a long time has, has misappropriated that text to say, well, you're not even supposed to be around non-believers. And that's not true because the verse right here says that when you're around non-believers, they should be able to get a whiff of the Jesus that you've been spending time with and as a result want it. I'm separate from you. I'm not far in proximity. I'm close in proximity, but I'm different in thinking. When it comes to dealing with my issues, I don't run to gossip, I run to God. When it comes to dealing with my issues, I don't run to get drunk, I run to the Holy Spirit. When I'm dealing with issues, I don't run to gambling, I don't run to some type of addiction, I don't run to pornography, I run to God and I allow that to be the standard and I allow that to be the route. Because the truth is, the truth is, this is more important than anything because the fact of the matter is Christianity is not what you say about you. 
It's the life that comes off from how you respond. I could tell where you've been by how you smell. I used to work for my grandparents' deli, for Italian. So that means I would work with Parmesan cheese all day. And as a young youth pastor who made no money, I would work as a youth pastor and I'd also work in the deli to provide for my family. And when I would come home from work, you know, my wife, she'd run to the door. She'd grab me, kiss me all up. And then after that greeting, she'd stop, she'd look at me and she'd go, you smell Italian. And we would laugh every day about it. It didn't matter where I told her where I was, she could smell it on me. I could tell where you've been by how you smell. So you could try to sell me on perception all day. You could show me on your Instagram story, spending time with God, but I get a feeling a lot of times that we have more people that are worried on building out an Instagram story than actually a life relationship with God. Because this generation believes as long as you perceive it, then it must be true. But when it comes to God, perception is not reality. And what I can tell you is that when life happens to you, I could tell where you've really been by what comes out of you. Because when life hits hard, and if you've really been seeking God and praying, it's It's not to say you won't have moments of doubt. No, no, no. You will have moments of doubt. We all do. But how you respond, will you respond in prayer? Will you respond in worship? Will you respond in positivity? Will you respond in praise? Or will you quit? I can tell where you've been by how you smell. No, we got to be in the house of God. We need to be the aroma of God. And then they go to the Jordan. And this is where I'll close. The Jordan means to pass down. It speaks to legacy. Now, this is important because notice that this is the moment after they cross over that Elijah then says to Elisha, what can I do for you? Think about this. If he thought that he was going to get rid of Elisha before he even went to Bethel, right? He says, stay here. I'm going to go on. How come he didn't ask him back then? We're getting a very valuable lesson here. The opportunity doesn't just come when you want it. It comes as a result of relationship. So many of you are waiting for, relation, for opportunity. You're like, when's my opportunity going to come? Your opportunity will come as long as you remain faithful. How do I know? The faithful will be richly blessed. And as a result, they cross over the Jordan. First off, the Jordan. You know what the Jordan is? That's, that's a pretty special place. The, the Jordan, this is the same, the same place that when Joshua was crossing over with the Israelites to the promised land, God allowed Joshua to split the, the, the Jordan. You know why that's powerful? Because when, when the Israelites were complaining about Moses, the previous leader of the Israelites, God allowed Moses to split the Red Sea. And in that moment, it was a moment of affirmation before the Israelites that God's hand was on Moses. So now as they're complaining about Joshua, God does the same thing for Joshua that he did for Moses to show the Israelites that God's hand is also on Joshua. So now it's a moment of affirmation. That happened in the Jordan. You know what else happened in the Jordan? Naaman comes to Elisha, says, I'm sick. I want to be healed. Elisha says, good, go dip yourself seven times. As a result of dipping himself seven times, he gets healed. So it also tells me that this, this Jordan has a legacy of what? Affirmation and healing. You know, if he would have stopped dipping on six, he wouldn't have got healed, right? There's something about the completion of the dipping. And that's what seven means. It means completion. It's follow through. Finishing. Entitlement will tell you that you've done enough. Expectation will keep you going. You know, the Jordan's the same place where Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. 
Talk about a rich legacy. Rich legacy. None of these moments exist if one attribute isn't present. Obedience. It's the obedience that allowed Joshua to lead the Israelites. It's the obedience that Elisha crossed over with Elisha and Elisha strikes the water. It's, it's obedience that Naaman dips seven times and gets healed. It's obedience that John, trembling, not wanting to baptize Jesus, knowing he's the Messiah, follows through. And then the results, the heavens open up and God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. It's obedience that sets the whole thing up. And what I've learned is that in 2023, we have too many Christians that have minimized obedience because they want their request to be enough. But you don't just get it because you want it. What you've asked for is a difficult thing. Why? Look at verse 10 and 11. Put this up for me, please. He says, what can I do for you? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah replies, you've asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, why wouldn't he see him? Look at the next follow, following verses. And as they still went on and talked, the other translation says they continued on walking and talking. They were walking and talking. They were walking and talking. Community, relationship, walking and talking. And as they're walking and talking, as they're walking and talking, behold, the chariots of fire and horses of, of fire, they separated the two of them. And Elijah goes up. He says to him, this is a difficult thing. Why is it a difficult thing? Because most people, after they make a request, they leave. But Elisha continues to walk and talk. Oh, we minimize the importance of just staying. You know why so many people aren't blessed? because they won't stand around long enough. God bless the marriage. Don't pray to bless the marriage and then you're quitting a week later. God bless my family. You've given up. Well, they don't respect me. They're six. You gotta walk. You gotta talk. You got to keep the relationship. You got to keep the community. You don't just get it because you asked for it. You don't just get it because you requested it. You don't even realize the beauty of relationship. And this is exactly how God has set it up. You want from me? Well, I want from you. You want blessing. You know what I want? Time. Give me commitment. Give me, give me your word. Just walk with me and talk with me and walk with me and talk with me. And as we walk and as we talk and as we walk through the hard times and as we walk through the good times and as we walk through the harder times and we walk through the better times and I'm with you and I'm for you and I'm talking to you and I'm comforting you and I'm with you when it's snowing and I'm with you when it's 90 degrees and I'm with you when it's raining and I'm with you when it's dark outside and I'm with you when it's good outside. God, I want to be blessed good I want you to be blessed too but if I give you what you want now it would be premature and I wouldn't have taught you anything you would have remained undeveloped in your character 
And if this is only about what you get from me, then I'll never get from you what I want because what I'm looking for are worshipers that will worship me in spirit and in truth. And those that worship me in spirit and in truth, they worship me regardless who's in the White House. They worship me regardless of what finances look like. They worship me regardless of what business looks like. I am king. I am God. I am Lord. I deserve all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. I am looking for people that will worship me come hell or high water because regardless of what you're going through I am God he says I want to bless you stick with me I want to bless your marriage stay committed to the marriage you're not committed because you didn't divorce you're committed because you're emotionally investing you're not looking at pornography you're not flirting you don't have a work spouse so dumb so dumb allow no man to separate what God has called together you don't get a piece of this you don't get a part of this I only know you because we signed up to the same job God didn't put us together well that's my best friend your spouse is your best friend get out of here Remain faithful. Remain faithful. That's it. Just remain faithful. In all areas. Your purity. Your speech. That means no gossiping. Not even if it's a joke. Oh, how sneaky is the enemy? The new language of the church is satire. Social media is full of accounts just making fun of worship leaders and pastors. God forbid somebody messes up on a word. That's just funny, is it? Because nothing's sacred anymore. And if nothing's sacred, why would anything be sacred? Tithing? Oh, it's, it's amazing how, how silly people are. They watch a TikTok video. Well, uh, the Bible doesn't say actually anything about tithing. Uh, Jesus never spoke about it. For real? You believe Jesus never spoke about tithing? You don't read your Bible. You watched a 60-second clip, and because someone said it in a way you thought sounded smart, you thought he was right. Have you ever read a parable from Jesus? He talks about tithing continuously. He talks about it to the Pharisee. He talks about it to the Sadducee. He talks about it to the disciple. And here we are trying to make an excuse of why we're to give, but yet you want the benefits of community? Do you know why tithing exists, by the way? By the way church the early church a community people came together and they shared resources and if everyone just puts in their 10% we'll be able to make it as a community and we don't stop giving the moment we think someone has enough no no we 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 store away and we save for moments of deficit but we have moments of abundance because we continue to give to it the reason why we have so many poverty mindsets is because you've settled for week-to-week -week living you better learn how to store up. You keep giving and giving and giving. Get your theology from TikTok. Talk about Jesus never talk, spoke about sexuality for real. Of course he did. Bible literacy is at an all-time low in our generation. And yet we've never had more resources. You know what we need more than ever? We don't need another blogger. 
We don't need another parenting lifestyle influencer. We don't need it. We just need more faithful people. We, we, we need faithful believers that show up to church, that love their spouses, love their children, love their church. Hey, we don't need any more fame, by the way. We don't need any more famous people. We don't, all we need are believers that love the Jesus and love the cross and say, this God that saved me, he can save you, and I'm not better than you. I've just learned that I can't make it without Jesus. And here's what I know, you can't make it without Jesus. So follow me as I follow Christ, and we'll go together. And, and, and what we do, we'll just walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus. And here's what I know is we keep walking with him and talking with him we're on the route of blessing and we'll be blessed along the way why because the faithful will be richly blessed well how do i get blessed you stay faithful why do i stay faithful you walk with jesus and you talk with jesus and i'll walk with him and when i stumble you pick me up and when you stumble i'll pick you up and we keep going and we don't give up and we don't quit because of what cnn says or what fox says or what hollywood says or what entertainment says or what some rich celebrity says we're not predicating our theology off of someone because they have millions of followers. Who cares? It's on Jesus. So we're following Jesus to the end of our days. Why? Because I know that as a result of it, I'll get everything it is that he has. And he'll be blessed because he gets blessed by blessing us. And in return, we bless him. And the cycle keeps going. And the glory keeps going in and it just keeps going and going and as we go the circle gets bigger and hopefully every man every woman realizes that they need this Jesus hopefully every man every woman those that look like us and don't look like us those that that dress differently all of them they just hopefully they just join the team and as they go to Bethel as they go to Jericho they'll start to shift because you don't change before you come you change as you go you you come as you are but you don't stay as you are you you come as you are but you don't stay you keep growing you keep changing can I get you to stand is this encouraging anyone? If you would say, I want to be blessed. I want my children to be blessed. I want my marriage to be blessed. I want my business to be blessed. I want my life to be blessed. I want my grandchildren to be blessed. I want my great-grandchildren. They don't even exist yet. I want them to be blessed. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Come on. I'm going to lift up mine. I'm going to lift up mine. Holy Spirit, would you fall right now? and Would you fill us? Would you renew our minds? Would you evict any mindset, oh God, that, would, that we would listen to that would encourage us to quit? Would you evict any mindset that would tell us, oh God, that we don't have to keep going, that we could find our own route and we could find our own way holy spirit would you renew our minds like romans 12 talks about would you fill us holy spirit less of us more of you less of us more of you we want to be found in the house of the lord we want our lives to be reflective of who you are we want your aroma to 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 just to come from us oh god ruminate from us oh god whether people are around or by ourselves we want to be men and women of character, men and women of integrity. Do this in us. Do this for us. In Jesus' name. Hey, if this sermon blessed you and your family, I want to encourage you to be a truth partner. You can do that by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give and partnering with us to help get this message of truth out to more people in our nation and around the world. It is our truth partners that make this a reality. Again, thank you for subscribing to our channel. Thank you for liking today's video. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon.